sometimes I time it perfectly. Most times I time it perfectly where I can send the invitation before I take my uh, morning constitutional. <laughs> but, I, uh, but this morning it did not work out like that? Is that what you're saying? Yeah, I had to do it in reverse, you know? <laughs> Some things like time, wait for no man. Ah, uh, man. All right, should we just get going? Might as well, yeah. All right. Welcome to No Hugging, No Learning. It's a show about one thing, watching Curb Your Enthusiasm for the first time. I'm Tim Murphy. And I'm Ted Hollowell. And today we will be talking about the season six premiere, Meet the Blacks. But before that, what's the deal with stuff from our last episode, The End? But before that, I did a little bit of uh, extra credit on something caught my ear when I was re-listening to it about uh, our last episode about George Lopez stepping, stepping in when Alonzo Mourning dropped out. And I was like, what's the deal with that? So, you know, as the book alluded to, George Lopez had to fill in for Alonzo Mourning, and it was his first acting gig since getting his own kidney, George Lopez. And so I found this out. On November 25th, 2003, Alonzo Mourning, again, an NBA player uh, on the Hornets for a long time, uh, and a retired, uh, his cousin, who was a retired U.S. Marine, Jason Cooper, was visiting Alonzo Mourning's gravely ill grandmother in the hospital. Alonzo Mourning's dad was there and, and told Cooper that Mourning was retiring that day from the NBA because of a life-threatening kidney disease. Cooper asked if there was anything he could do and started contemplating donating one of his kidneys to his estranged cousin, who he had not seen in 25 years, and who he only knew through basketball. He was tested, uh, along with many other family members and friends, including fellow NBA center and good friend Patrick Ewing, also mentioned in an early Seinfeld episode. Uh, and during his grandmother's funeral, Alonzo Mourning got the news that Jason Cooper was a match, and Alonzo Mourning got Jason Cooper's left kidney on December 19th, 2003. So talk about an easy decision for this guy. November 25th is when he found out his cousin was dying and December 19th was the surgery. Not even a full month. Yeah. And Alonzo he's, Mourning... a, he's a lot less uh, mentally conflicted <laughs> than Larry David. Yeah, really hard to believe a U.S. Marine would, would be more uh, ethically centered than uh, Larry David. But Alonzo Mourning made a comeback after that and later won the 2006 NBA championship playing with the Heat. No way. And, That's uh, awesome. Yeah. And, and of course, as I mentioned, well, I don't think I mentioned it yet, but I'll mention it here. I might have mentioned it last week, but Alonzo Mourning played with actual Curb alum and long schlong haver Muggsy Bogues on the Hornets. <laughs> so we could have had. Wait, is it con when was it confirmed that Muggsy Bogues has a hog? When uh, Richard Lewis and Larry stare down at it at a urinal. That's right. And are both wide-eyed right. in amazement. <laughs> yeah. And, uh. And I believe, is that when Muggsy, like, threatens Larry and then he, yep. he pulls up his heart Larry, monitor? Yeah, yeah. Larry pretends to have another heart attack. Yeah, <laughs> That was from the ski lift. I just was curious about that and thought I'd look it up. But what about the end? All we really wanted to know was what was uh, Craig Robinson doing when he had a little part as a nurse in the episode. He was born in 1971 in Chicago. Get this. I, I did not know about this about Craig Robinson. He got his undergrad from Illinois State. And then he got a master's in education from Xavier. No way. Yeah. Huh. And he was, a, he was a music teacher at Horace Mann Elementary School in Chicago, uh, Benjamin Franklin Elementary in Hammond, and East Chicago Central High in East Chicago, Indiana. I did not know he had a master's in education. That oh is wild. God. I yeah. <laughs> Imagine, like, uh, oh, does it say, like, when he was a music teacher? Because you said, what, born in 71, right? Yeah. So after having a master's, that's... What, 2024-ish? So so yeah, his undergrad, 90, he, he graduated in 90, yeah, he graduated in 94, so I don't know what a master's okay. takes, two years, is that 96 then? Yeah. And then you like, gotta figure you try to start right away, so 96, 97 into, yeah, 
I mean, and, and to hit four schools in that one, two, no, just three schools, I guess, in that time before, you know, he started taking, so he was doing stand-up already and was taking classes in improv and acting at Second City while still in college. So that would have been from 90 to 94. He was on the Deaf Comedy Jam, season seven, episode two. This was, so the original Deaf Comedy Jam was like, uh, ended in 97, but I think this was in 2006. Season seven, I think was the rebooted for one season, Deaf Comedy Jam. Yeah. Uh, after doing open mic sessions in New York, Chicago, L.A., and otherwhere, winning regional comedy competitions, he started getting spots on late-night TV like Jimmy Kimmel. And 2004, saw him cast in bit parts including Friends, The Bernie Mac Show, LAX, which I have no idea, Arrested Development, which I don't think I remember him on. And then that led to small film roles in Knocked Up, Pineapple Express, Walk Hard. So he kind of joined the Judd Apatow stable of actors, which uh, I'm sure we'll talk about. That name might come up again in a little bit. Starting in 05, that's when he started playing Daryl Philbin on the American version of The Office, appearing first in the fourth episode of the first season, and then he was promoted to a starring role in the fourth season, which continued until the show ended in 2013. So this being, what was it, 2005? He was like, I think it was just like the Mindy Kaling situation where The Office had pretty much just started. Like it wasn't a, a giant. He wasn't, hit he wasn't right a away. huge star yet by any. Yeah, means. yeah. He was just kind of like a, a player that would pop up every now and then when they were actually in the warehouse or something. Yeah, I think very much like the Mindy Kaling situation and, and the other actors who were on it even before the office started. This was just like comedic actor gets speaking role, you know. Yeah. <laughs> Although I was reminded in reading his Wikipedia page that he played one of my favorite characters uh, of his is in the film Miss March. When he played horse dick dot mpeg, <laughs> you know I, oh I own gosh. I own Miss March on DVD and I still have not watched it. What? Oh yeah. my gosh! No, I, I find that shocking. <laughs> I tell you what, if there's a curb connection, let's do it for Patreon. Well, Craig Robinson. Hey, hey there we done. go. Yeah, <laughs> I would love to watch that again because I mean I know we're both big Whitest Kids fans and that. I just think that's a hilarious, hilarious name. And so that's all That's all basically the homework that we had. And there was no... Uh, oh, there was some trivia and tidbits here. So the guy sitting next to Larry on his return trip from Arizona is executive producer and frequent director Robert Weedy. So if you're ever curious to put a face with the name that you see at the end of the majority of Curb episodes, it seems like, there you go. I guess he's at the end of every Curb episode because he's an executive producer. The uh, This was uh, Curb Your Enthusiasm's The End was the final TV performance of B. Arthur. Afterwards, wow, she quietly really? announced her retirement for TV with the, her appearance in this show and went back to Broadway and did a few more Broadway shows, but uh, there was nothing else on TV. Yeah, kind of amazing. Oh, my God. And some uh, some more Pat Finn trivia. Pat Finn, of course, the actor who plays the man Larry runs into in Bisbee selling his Toyota Prius. He went on to star in a series of Toyota ads around 2017. I do not remember that, but... I think I remember those. You remember the Pat Finn Toyota ads? <laughs> Is that why he looks familiar? <laughs> that, you know, that's one of many. I mean, he's just one of those actors that you and I both were like, oh, yeah, he's in this and that and that, and I like that. And Could be. Maybe that's why. I don't remember what the premise of those ads was. Do you? No, I have no idea. I mean, that's, what, six <laughs> years ago now? Yeah. I wonder if yeah. uh, 
I wonder if like, you know, his name is used as a keyword on YouTube. I'm like, Pat Finn Toyota commercial. And YouTube just comes back with, yeah, we have no clue what you're talking about. <laughs> I'm guessing that I'd rarely forget. So when you Google oh, Pat Finn Toyota. Toyota in- intern Pat. That's so it. When, you, when you Google it, the first result is Pat Finn Toyota salary. And then Ooh. Pat Finn Toyota. I know, it's like, what the hell? Um, yeah, there is a uh, Toyota intern Pat commercial compilation with uh, 1.4K views. I don't remember intern Pat. I wonder if, oops, I'm turning the music up now. No, I don't remember this guy. No, no, doesn't look familiar. Are you watching it? I mean, I just am watching the the soundless preview right now. Yeah. No, I I think I I think I remember them, but I maybe I'm watching it for the first time. I have no clue. It, yeah, there's it's probably so, one or... It's so generic that I could yeah. have seen it a hundred times and I could not have watched it ever. Exactly. I'm sure there was one in that compilation that I'd go, oh, yeah, now I, I remember that one. I remember that one. But the, the two brief clips that I saw, I did not recognize. So, all right. Uh, that is all from Trivia and Tidbits. <laughs> Let us now consult, for the last time, the book. From the, and we don't get much, I'm afraid, from the end of the book. Oh, man. Yeah. All we get is uh, what... They were thinking Dustin Hoffman as guide number one. And it says, it's not even, most of the time this is a direct quote, but this starts with saying Hoffman was going to play himself in the first Curb episode, but ended up bowing out because he was uncomfortable with the idea. Hoffman told Larry David that if he wrote a part for him, that wasn't him. He'd be happy to do it. And Dustin Hoffman said, my kids were upset with me for not doing it. They said, how can you turn down Larry? It's the best show. So I guess finally popping up in in season five was sort of payback for that. And then we just get Larry in action of uh, the the back and forth between him and the stewardess about not wanting to sit in the exit row. There is uh, a little bit of the improv process of season five. So this is kind of interesting. This is the scene 15 from The End. Larry pretends he's kosher. But that's not from The End. Man, this book, I swear. It's like no one looked at Maybe it. Maybe it's they good it that print. it, like, I don't know. That it ends. <laughs> ends and didn't have a volume two. Because... This is the ski lift, and it says 15, interior ski lodge. Larry's trying to get some information from Cheryl about her sleeping arrangement. They're interrupted by Rachel, who's demanding to know who put the toast with butter on her kosher plate. We then see her take the plate and bury it in a potted plant. Ben explains that she's purifying the plate. Larry, of course, concurs. He then quickly turns on Cheryl, admonishing her to be more careful. That was a great scene. Yeah, but it's also not in this episode. Not from the end. (laughs) But that is, I mean, there's just like one little book of credits. And acknowledgments, Curb Your Enthusiasm Seasons 1 through 5 are available on DVD from HBO Video. And that is it. Man. Series wrap on the book. So weird that it just kind of ceases to exist after Season 5. But I'm sure sure we'll find uh, other trivia and tidbits and and other stuff uh, from the World Wide Web. But who knows? Maybe we won't. Maybe we'll just go. Get rid of that feature. <laughs> I'm hoping that the web, you know, picked up the slack when they're like, well, there's nowhere to there's nowhere to find this information. We better put it somewhere and maybe the IMDb or the Wikipedia pages get a little bit more meatier, but I don't know. I do not know. That certainly Curb has not had the, you know, archival treatment that Seinfeld did. I mean, there was no. like a full Wikipedia article oh, on every yeah. single episode in depth. Yeah. It's so, a, it's de- it's definitely safe to say that uh, you know, less people like Curb than Seinfeld. <laughs> That's true. That's true. And I think that's I think that's literally just like a network versus like it's not even basic cable. I mean, he went from network to to premium pay cable, cable premium pay cable. Yeah. Yeah. So. Like if you would have went network to cable, it would have been a drop. But you're going yeah. from like, you know, potentially everybody watching it to 
like a niche of a niche. Yeah, and and critics. Critics seem to like it. But uh, all right, you may be seated for the final time. Now you can just stay seated. <laughs> stay seated the whole forever. Rest of the cast. That's, yeah. that's it. Yep. <laughs> Although uh, I'm hoping we're manifesting like because what are they like a season six to eleven book? Like let's do it. You know? Yeah. Why not? Why not? Yeah. All right. Do we got any news or anything? I don't think so. No, I'm going to say no. Okay. All right, cool. Well, if you have never listened to us before, we are not a research-heavy show, despite the last 24 minutes uh, being exclusively research and bullshit. But we like to have our questions pop up naturally in the run of the episode and assign them to ourselves the week following as though we are giving ourselves homework. I've never seen these episodes before. Tim has never seen these episodes before in the last 20 years. If we miss anything, if we egregiously skip over something, please send us an email or send us a tweet. It's at nohugging on Twitter or nohuggingnolearningshow at gmail.com. Both of those links are down in the description or on the show description page on Apple Podcasts. If you like what you hear, please give us a five-star rating and a written review on Apple Podcasts or a five-star rating over on Spotify if you use either of those apps. If you like us a little bit more than that, you can join us over on Patreon. It's patreon.com slash nohugging, where for five bucks a month, you can join the It's a Hyundai tier and get not only early access to every single episode, but each episode is gonna be longer. They're gonna be extended episodes. We're gonna have so much more bullshit on every single one. Oh, there's been some good ones. There really has. There really has. I mean, even the end, the one we recorded last week, I yeah. thought was one of our best episodes that we've done. It was so fun. Maybe it's maybe just because yeah. we were we were both like on one. Yeah. Uh, I pulled a little bit of our, I mean, extended Weezer discussion, but <laughs> I pulled the Weezer song that we wrote. So I'll make like a headliner and put it on our Twitter account just so you can hear a little bit of the genius that you're missing. <laughs> but I did. I don't know Man, if you for, saw. For, forget that. We should just put that in the feed, you know, like, hey, if you're if you're not subscribed over on Patreon, you're missing gems like this. That's not bad. I would I would go back and pull the entire conversation then because I, it... I think I think I did. That that's what I sent to the uh, downvoter, our, uh, uh... our our resident <laughs> huge Weezer fan. Yeah, and and we may be popping up on a Weezer podcast because of it, which is awesome. Um, <laughs> I, I told him I, I already told him that I wanted to do the 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 orange album one, but <laughs> the, the orange yeah. album with uh, with hanging with my boys. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> Um, but of course, yeah, if you don't it, know what we're talking about. Go listen to last week's episode on Patreon. It started as a conversation about I think you should leave season three coming out, and ended up writing a Weezer song. Uh, <laughs> yeah, so that's how we wove those the conversation. Um, but I mean, in addition to the extended episodes, you also get Patreon exclusive movie reviews, whether they be from the Seinfeld extended cinematic universe or. Our uh, our sporadic series, Exploration of the American Sex Comedy, the one we dropped last week, just happened to be both. You know, we talked about forgetting Sarah Marshall from, what year was that? 2000 and... Yeah, 2008. 2008, yeah. okay. Yeah, forgetting Sarah Marshall from 2008, which had uh, quite a few connections to Curb, but also is one of uh, my wife and I's favorite American sex comedies. And... Spoiler alert, she joined us on the record. My wife, Grace, is on, on the episode with us because uh, she wanted to do that movie. But again, patreon.com slash nohugging is where you can join us. And you can join Nate Collins, Tamara Ortiz, the guys and gals over at the Idiotville podcast, John and Kathleen Murphy, Tim's dad and mom, because there's no <laughs> password sharing in 
in No Hugging Land. We got Will Hall, Danica Ligorio, J-Dog Conlord, Nick Kudla, Adam Webb, and Megan Stolarski. Again, patreon.com slash no hugging. Before we move out of the uh, Patreon section, though, I, 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 I think I mentioned I was going to do this on the main episode as well. But, you know, we, we dissected when we had last done. So we just dropped this one. And we were and great. And I, I was like, Grace, I feel like you were just on. And we figured out that she was on in October for Hocus Pocus. And then we did one in. Do we do November, December or do we do we, December, January? We did, we did December, but December's went to the main feed as well. Yeah. Okay. So we had. I guess we had only done one. Maybe I thought there was another one in there somewhere that we had done. We, but... we did. We did January, and we did. Yeah. Airheads. There you go. There you go. That was it. Yeah. Airheads and a Christmas Story Christmas. But before that, so yeah. it was like, wow, it's been a while since I've been on. Like, there's only been two episodes since. But yeah. I did mention this that the reason we hadn't done one is because Ted had, had unbeknownst to me, passed <laughs> off the choice of movie. And then when I finally decided on two, we ended up doing neither and doing what the Grace <laughs> wanted to do. You were like, oh, should we do? option a or option b and i was like uh option a is good but let me ask grace what she thinks and then i text you like an hour later and i said hey would you actually be willing to do forgetting sarah marshall that's grace's pick and you said i am I'm, I'm assuming begrudgingly but also still respectfully uh yeah see i well before i think I, you were like let's do I figured which one you chose. Be like, let's do this one. I was like, that works. And you're like, Grace wants to do this. I was like, that works too. Yeah, that's right. Yeah. <laughs> that works too. <laughs> I was trying to find a way to be respectful and go, why was this put on me? And then it's not even. But here's the thing, because, you know, we've done so many. We did Hocus Pocus. We did Hocus Pocus 2. We did The Parent Trap. We did Forgetting Sarah Marshall. And these are all movies that, like, I didn't really care for. And yeah. I feel bad about that each time because i'm always talking to like one or two people who love the movie who, who this movie is like a core memory for them uh, <laughs> and so i've decided the next thing i want to do is pick a movie that i'll have to defend that i hope you guys don't like oh that's fine that's perfect yeah i, I mean so uh, i tell you what we can uh b- between option a and option b that we didn't do we can do one of those for uh for uh late march early april if you want yeah, yeah, totally. Like, I'm still down for, for doing either one of those, but um, I, I, I'm I also going to try to find another movie. You know, so maybe we can – next week is horrible for us. Next week is actually, like, the culmination of something that Sarah and I have been volunteering for at the kids' school that finally ends. So oh maybe the maybe the final week of March, uh, I'll be able to do, like, <laughs> another Tuesday or Thursday. But, uh, but yeah, so I've, alway, I've already – like, let me just throw one at you. Have you ever seen Joe's Apartment? No. Okay. Do you know what it is? I have no clue. Okay, great. Because I love that movie and it might... So that might be a good one. I just have... Oh, and I've already looked it up and it has... In fact, it has Jerry O'Connell, who I guess pops up on Curb later on. So... um, (laughs) And and a ton of other people. So that's an option right now because I would definitely... I would love to know what you think of it. I, I would hope that you would love it. But if you don't, that's what I want. I would love like a bad movie that I... Not bad. Not even bad. Because like... A movie that you love that I don't. A movie that I love that you don't hold as in high regard, like The Parent Trap or Forgetting Sarah Marshall or, you know, or so on and so forth. I'm sure there's others that I've that I've forgotten that I go, nah, I didn't like it. And you and you were like, oh, this movie means everything to me. Like, meh. (laughs) (laughs) That's the idea. I want that treatment because I feel like I deserve it at this point. Uh, So there you go. Look forward to that. Oh, my God. Okay. All that being said, season six, episode one, Meet the Blacks. Original air date, September 9th, 2007. Again, skipping completely over 2006. Original air date, 
In the season six premiere, Cheryl talks Larry into adopting the Blacks, a family displaced by a hurricane. Hmm. I mean, it's it's accurate. I don't know. We'll have to see if we can make it better at the end. I feel like we can because I feel like we can integrate another one of the storylines. But we'll see. By the way, in the let me just start by saying when I looked at the capitalization of this title on HBO Max, the is not capitalized, and I think it should be. Otherwise, it makes it look like HBO is using the word as a. <laughs> I don't know what you would what you would call that. Is that a pejorative? It, it's at least an uh, like an epithet or something, right? Yeah, like they're yeah, using but, it as but, a racial epithet. <laughs> Meet the blacks. But, but again, uh, black is the the proper noun in this. The is not. The is just kind of a uh, a um, what's the word? What's an article. The... Yeah, yeah, yeah. The, but the is just an article in this. I would agree with you, except that like like common nomenclature is. If it was, if it's a, not a capital T, it should be meet the black people because you don't, you know, when you're writing like a story, it's like the man was described as a black or whatever. That's like not, a, you know, not appropriate anymore. You're supposed to say it was a black woman or a black, you know, so you don't say like, oh, I didn't know he was a black. Just like, just Jesus like, Christ, um, yeah. just like one of our favorites. I didn't know you were a Jew. Oh God. <laughs> Andy, I didn't know you were a Jew. One of our favorite jokes from community that comes up a lot. Um, say, say the full word. <laughs> the yeah. Full word. Yeah. Which we get, we get a, a I, I, I'll admit a very funny exchange. Yes. Uh, very similar to, <laughs> to that in this episode. Yeah. And so the name is played for humor, but what, if I was going to write my name on a nameplate, the Murphys. The T would be capitalized. That's why I think when you re- you're referring to a family name, the T would be capitalized. I think without the capital T, it becomes a little weird. Like meet the blacks, meet the group of blacks. Like ah mm, no, <laughs> yeah yeah, you've got a point there. Okay. I think the T should be capitalized. That's all I'm saying. <laughs> uh, so we open at home. Larry and Cheryl are in bed, and oh oh my god, you know what? I just forgot. We haven't done our top three episodes of the previous season. Oh, that's right. Okay, do you want to do that real quick? Yeah. uh, It's going to be super easy for me. All right, I'm ready. All right, go ahead. Okay, do you want me to go from three to one? Yes. All right, my number three is The Ski Lift. Okay. Yeah, and I think it was, I mean, look, it was a funny episode, and it comes, it it has all the the great beats that I love in a great Curb episode, but I think what pulled it up, because I had, my honorable mention is The End. Okay, I had two star lows, and The End got bumped, and what pulled The Ski Lift up is, I think it is held in very high regard for by curb your enthusiasm fan so i think it's going to hold up a lot better you know in in my mind later on as you know i think if i went back and watched i would enjoy it more than watching the end again uh so that's why the ski lift was pulled up into the third place spot uh number two the smoking jacket and number one the larry david sandwich i don't i, I probably could have flip-flopped the smoking jacket and the sandwich if i thought about it wow they were just my only full stars yeah Okay. Okay. I know. I know. So mine is uh mine's very similar to yours. Uh, I I will say I only had two full stars, but I did have one, two. Yeah, you had a battle. Uh, I had four star lows. Uh, I I just thought season five was you know not as good as it could have been. Mm-hmm. I I don't want to say like it was awful because there were some good laughs. I just think it could have been a lot better. But okay, number three for me. I'm I'm torn between I, I guess I should name my my star lows first. Uh, my star lows I had the Larry David sandwich, the bow tie, the smoking jacket, and the end. Okay. And I, I I think those are all I don't want to say a three way tie for third because that's a cop out. So I think <laughs> I'm gonna do the Larry David sandwich for number three. Number okay. two I am doing the ski lift, and number two I am doing the Christ nail. The Christ nail is your number one. The Christ nail is my number one. Wow, nice. 
Yeah, that was a good one, I got to say. Uh, but it did not not make my list. But yeah, I think we have some good ones. I mean, so we, so the ski lift and the smoking jacket, we pretty much agreed on. Yeah, 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 <laughs> yeah. And I think, I mean, I, I was reading a thread, and Curb fans were like, you know, the ski lift is one of those episodes that I'd show to somebody if they wanted to know what Curb was. It's just a good, and and I I agree with that. Larry gets himself into some some crazy shit in that episode. All right. That was easy. Yeah, yeah, that was really easy. <laughs> right. Uh, so, that's, the, that's the easiest top three episodes I think we've ever done. Yeah, I know. Yeah. So uh, we open, like I said, at home. Larry and Cheryl are in bed, and there's a smoke alarm going off, and they think it has. So the, this scene was improved all sorts of with all sorts of incorrect information because Larry's like, "Oh, it must be the batteries." And anybody that has a smoke alarm knows that when a smoke alarm is low on batteries, it chirps about every five minutes or something like that you know it doesn't yes, go off my God. full blare for for like non-stop uh when the batteries are dead because that would be sort of antithetical to saving battery life and also i w- am just wondering i because larry and cheryl are like up and looking for the smoke detector that is like actually like beeping larry finally finds it and it's one that's wired into the house exactly so it could not be the batteries <laughs> Unless your house batteries are low. Yeah, yeah. You know the uh, batteries that you replace every day for your house? Yeah. You got to charge up your fucking house, A couple Larry? of double A's. Yeah, a couple couple of double A's out in the garage. <laughs> yeah, so he, he does find the one that's making the noise in the kitchen, and he tears it off the wall, and it's, like you said, just hanging by its wire, but it's still not turning off, and so he starts hitting it with a baseball bat and smashes it until it stops making noise. At the country club, Jeff and Larry are there. They were playing around a golf with Richard Lewis, who it seems like was playing for the first time in a while and kind of apologetic to the guys for not playing very well and maybe holding them back. I like Jeff's sort of, he's like, you know, once you hit it like seven times, just pick it up after yeah, that. That's yeah, cool. I thought that was really fun. <laughs> as, as someone who would uh, probably have to use that advice in real life, yeah, I, I, never I found it to be really funny. <laughs> yeah. Uh, but I liked that, you know, as apologetic as Richard Lewis is, they're like, hey, don't worry about it. We're just, didn't you have fun, like, walking around with us? And and Richard Lewis was like, no, it was actually kind of boring. <laughs> I thought that was hilarious. Uh, and on TV in the locker room is coverage of Hurricane Edna. And how, again, I mean, I, I guess it's just one of those things that just gets amplified over the years. But Larry goes, global warming, that's what's responsible for this storm. I'm like, wow, <laughs> I can't believe, like, you know, I mean, for sure, like, the... Um, the Al Gore talk about global warming, which nobody took seriously was I'm sure happening at the time, but it's just weird to hear something like that, that is still being talked about to this day and still nothing being done about it. But it's just interesting to hear that take. When did Al Gore run for president? 2000. Is that when he was originally talking about global warming? That sounds right. Yeah, because what? It was Bush and Gore yeah, in that 2000, was 2000 and then Bush and Kerry yeah. in 04, right? Right, right, right. Yeah. God, imagine if instead of like like rebuting uh, everything Al Gore was saying, everyone was just like, huh, wow, yeah, that sounds right. We should do something about that. Imagine where we'd be 23 years after that. I mean, I, I think every day, and I try not to about what would happen if Al Gore actually had won that election, <laughs> which arguably he might have, but that was like the beginning of Republicans going, oh, why weren't we fucking with elections every year? 
geez, we should do this. <laughs> we should do this we, more often. We, we should do this every four years. This is great. Yeah. We got we got what we wanted and we didn't actually deserve it. <laughs> yeah. And then they're like, well, but let's see how the one goes after our guy and a black guy. No. Yeah. No. All right. Now we definitely have to fuck with elections. Yeah, ah. That's, that's, uh, that's Republicans <laughs> in a nutshell anymore. Yeah. That's their, uh, their whole thing. But um, Richard Lewis uh, it, it even has an interesting quote here. It's like Katrina all over again. Uh, and in my mind, I, I always thought this was a playoff of Katrina, but then I realized, you know, 2007 was way too late for Katrina to still be having effects because that was more yeah. like, what, 04 or something, 05? I, I, I think so. Maybe yeah. 05, yeah. Um, but no one went to Marty Funkhauser's party. They started discussing it, and nobody went to the party that he had last night. But they are going to Ted's party tonight. Ted Danson is having a party that they're going to. And uh, Larry wants to know what jeff's excuse is going to be and he says that he's going to say sammy was sick and larry's like oh that's a perfect excuse and and jeff i love his quote here he's like oh it's one of the best reasons to have kids (laughs) (laughs) i mean it's true believe me like we'd love to go out and do stuff but it's also a good oh can't get a sitter ah sorry can't do the thing (laughs) talking about you and sarah now yeah yeah Yeah. I totally agree with Jeff. I mean, it's at least a nice little benefit for all of the <laughs> for all of the um, other hardships. Uh, and Larry is like, you know what? I'm going to show up tonight and pretend I had a party on the wrong night. And Jeff thinks that's a genius idea. Richard Lewis thinks he's never going to buy it. Funkhauser's not going to buy it. And Richard Lewis, uh, he he excuses himself and, because he oh he has to ask if Cha Cha wants to go to the party, which is his new girlfriend. And Jeff and Larry, after he leaves, say, well, I mean, just how hot, how, how lucky. Richard Lewis is to have such a smoking hot girlfriend like Cha Cha, which I find a weird name. Maybe it's a nickname. I don't know. It's just a weird thing. Might, might be a nickname. She might just be a dancer, you know? Yeah. It reminds, I mean, there's a there's Cha Cha Di Gregorio in Greece, one of the characters in Greece. Oh. Um, I never considered whether that was her real name or, or a nickname, but I liked the button on this. Well, there's a couple of funny improv moments like Seinfeld would do this sometimes where they'd come in on a conversation that just two friends would have anyway and it didn't have anything to do with the plot i like when larry goes this is richard when he looks in the mirror and he like does a little impression of that he like sucks in his <laughs> cheeks and 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 makes like a pouty face and richard goes oh is that what i do very funny you have fun you having fun <laughs> and then before larry leaves he asks jeff what he's gonna wear to ted's party and he goes oh i'm gonna dress as little dutch girl what do you think? What are you wearing? What kind of question is that? Yeah, it almost does the exact opposite of what Seinfeld does. Like instead yeah. of coming in on the middle of a conversation, it almost like starts another conversation like with one or two lines before it yeah. ends. Yeah, I like that. By the way, Hurricane Edna was a real hurricane, not in 2007, but in 1954. Oh. And talk about weird weather patterns. It was the second hurricane that year to strike Massachusetts. Oh, my God. Yeah, it made it all the way from the Caribbean all the way up the East Coast uh, to Massachusetts. And Edna, before she was done, caused 29 fatalities. And they thought about it was such a horrendous storm. They thought about, as they do sometimes, retiring the name, but they didn't. It was on the list of potential hurricane names in 1972, but was unused because I guess we didn't make it to E. But it is still out there for the hurricane. Again, I think another consortium. I think it's a consortium that names the hurricanes. (laughs) And they they can still use Edna, but, but normally when like they're never there's never going to be another Katrina, for instance. They can retire the names yeah. if they want to if one yeah. is do, bad enough. Do do all of the names like they just enter a queue and like say if it doesn't get used in 
I don't know, 2008, you know, like that just, that cue just keeps like bumping up for like 2009, 2010, 2011. I'm not sure, but I don't think so. I think they scrap the whole list and go, all right, oh we didn't God. get to it. We didn't get to it in 08. Good luck next time when you, when you come I'm, back up in rotation. I wonder how many they, how many names they queue up then. You see, I think, I mean, they can, they can repeat. It obviously isn't very like, so Edna was one in 54 and it wasn't on the list again until 72. And I guess it hasn't been on the list since. So I guess they have a large pool of names to pull from still, gotta, you know? It's got to be like a hundred plus then, right? They're just like preparing for like oh, yeah. end, end of the world year where we have a hundred plus hurricanes. <laughs> well, that's the thing. I, I think they only do because they, they run alphabetical. Like the first one's going to be an A and then alternating years. Can you tell I spent a little bit of time in hurricane? Oh I spent a little bit of time in hurricane country in North Carolina. <laughs> so you learn about this kind of stuff. Uh, and then in Mississippi too, but not you know. I guess there were some Gulf there. I mean, Katrina definitely was a Gulf hurricane, but where we were was more to- tornado country. But um, yeah, so they're alternating. So one year the A name will be a boy, and the B name will be a girl, and wow. so on and so forth. Bo- boy, girl, boy, girl. The next year the A name will be a girl's name, and the B name will be a boy's name, and it, it'll go girl, boy, girl, boy. And then the next year will be boy, girl, boy, girl. And then they, yeah, they just sort of shuffle the list again for the next year. Like, I don't know how far in advance they do it, but you could find out what all the hurricanes are going to be named this year and, and probably next. Yeah. This is actually really cool. Yeah. Yeah. It's kind of interesting. I wonder how you get a job on the hurricane consortium picking names. <laughs> <laughs> um, so uh, Cheryl and Larry are driving and Cheryl has been just kind of emotionally impacted by the horrific scenes that uh, in the Hurricane Edna coverage. And Larry is half listening, but also half concentrating on the bad drivers in L.A. and calling them schmohawks, as his father did. <laughs> Look at that schmohawk, which did he do that when he was driving with his dad? No, he didn't drive with his dad. He drove with the hooker in the carpool lane. I feel like he might have used that word maybe not I, I i think this is the first time he said schmohawk okay, okay. It's, it's unique enough that it sticks out yeah yeah and, and I, I in my convoluted mind of you know not having seen curb in a million years i'm like it's one of my favorite words from the show and uh so but i couldn't remember if this was the first occurrence of it you schmohawk look at that schmohawk uh cheryl wants to bring in she is dropping sort of this idea to larry springing it on him that she wants to bring in a displaced family they could have one there as soon as tomorrow. Larry is like, whoa. I mean, I, that would take me months to mentally prepare to take a family that I don't know into my house. Fuck off, Larry. You're a billionaire. <laughs> Jesus Christ. I, I feel, I mean, that's, a, that's something, like, if, it, if the shoe was flipped, I could probably, I could probably do that, work with guests better than my wife. My wife needs months to mentally prepare. Just have my parents in town. Really? <laughs> yeah, yeah. Like that has to be a months long like preparation. How, how would it? How would it be uh, with strangers like this? Like this scenario? I mean, I, I can't even imagine. <laughs> I, I, I don't even want to think about it. It would be just way too mentally draining on everybody. <laughs> but yeah, because it would. I don't think it would ever be her idea. But if, if for some reason I had the strange idea to do this, it would be. It would take a lot of convincing on her part because she just thinks the house is like never clean enough and also <laughs> the pressure of like feeding a person and making sure that they're happy is just way too much pressure yeah. on her and then everything always goes fine i always have to remember that like I'm like hey remember these are just they're a just my parents and and b everything is always fine anything and, and you worry about happening they'll, they'll never be, happens yeah they'll, they'll be happy with anything they'll be happy yeah. like just just seeing us yeah yeah 
and it's not a big not a big deal and it never is right afterwards it's it's never it hasn't been a big deal and you know so that i can kind of try to talk her down but yeah she needs months to mentally prepare for something even just like having friends over like uh, you know oh they're just gonna hang out at the house like what uh, what? Uh, uh. uh yeah it's it's crazy but before they go to ted danson's house which they're on the way to his party Larry has to stop at Funkhauser's to pull his little I thought the party was tonight scam. The only problem is not only does Marty Funkhauser buy it, he invites them in. <laughs> and because of the nature of the scam, he knows that they have no plans. You plan to be here tonight. You're here. Let's have a good time. <laughs> and this reminds me of the the scam that in one of the best episodes of The Office, Dinner Party, where Michael finally tricks Jim and Pam into doing something because he he pretends he has plans. He's like, oh, yeah, I'm doing something. What about you guys? And and Jim mistakenly says that they have no plans. And he goes, oh, great. Why don't you come over for dinner? And so he tricks them into admitting they don't have any plans and they can't get out of it. Um, and so inside, I mean, it's just Larry and Cheryl and Marty and his wife. And at one point, Marty forcibly require like oh requires God, yeah. that larry st- shoves him into a chair yeah he throws him back down into this chair like i thought it was gonna be a thing that larry like you know had a stiff neck or a sore back <laughs> after that because he he grabs like his shoulder a little bit but i'm wondering since it wasn't brought up later if that was just larry <laughs> david the person like just reacting to to marty funkhauser <laughs> just actually throwing him down into the chair yeah i mean just some physical improv yeah I mean, <laughs> and not expecting it and yeah throwing him down into this fluffy chair like um and so marty's like oh i got a great idea we played a lot of fun games last night we didn't get to this one let's play pickup sticks for money what i have a thousand pickup sticks i throw them over the room all over the room and whoever gets the most I'm like <laughs> what the <laughs> she, that doesn't sound fun at all, Marty. That sounds like you make a mess and we clean it up for no reason. <laughs> uh, but it's at that point before they start playing pickup sticks, uh, 1,000 pickup sticks for money, that Jeff and Susie knock on the door and they're stealing, as Larry says, his we thought the party was tonight bit. Uh, <laughs> so Larry's kind of up, uh, upset with them for pulling the same scam. But Jeff is not worried about it. He's like, hey, five minutes, we're going to be out of here. Don't worry. Trust me. We're going to be out of here. But cut to them at the dining room table eating cake. And nobody, they still can't leave. Marty is still not allowing anybody to leave, despite all the excuses. <laughs> like uh, Jeff saying that he promised his daughter a puppet show. And Larry is saying his dad has a nerve virus or something like that. <laughs> and it's at this point because Marty says something that makes me think he's fucking with them. And he goes, look, you know, I no excuses tomorrow. Your daughter can bring her puppets over to your dad's place and have a nice little puppet show. But tonight, you don't have any plans. You're here. Yeah, the the way he here. said this, it almost yeah. seemed like he saw through both of their excuses, and he was just there to, you know, <laughs> th- throw his uh, throw his cake in their face. Yes, exactly. <laughs> and yeah, it's like a spiteful hangout. It's like he's gonna <laughs> he's gonna make them regret trying to scam him. I, I think there is a little bit to that, but it's never spelled out. And I like the ambiguity for once here because we don't need the answer. It's I like it. Uh, so they're gonna play the newlywed game, and the question on the table is: If you could have sex with one of your wife's uh, one of your friends' wives or girlfriends, who would it be? And Marty Funkhauser cops out and says, I 
I just I would pick my wife, and the wife, of course, wrote down he wouldn't do it. Boo. Yeah, boo. And Larry says cha cha, which offends Cheryl because yeah. now she thinks, oh, like, I had no idea. And, and listen, normally I'm siding with Cheryl on things like this because yeah. she's you know normally the most like morally right character in these arguments. <laughs> yeah, the mo- the most rational. You're playing a game. It's already, yeah, it's already a perfect scenario. It's like you are not playing in the spirit of the game. Larry is playing in the spirit of the game. You're supposed to give an answer to that. Like, I would award, I would have awarded no points to Marty because neither of them gave an answer to the question. Yeah, yeah. That, your that's, wife that's, that's is not, not one of your friend's wives. Exactly. Are you friends with yourself? Yeah, you're supposed to give an answer to that. And that's, what's, that's what the newlywed is. It's all, The newlywed game is, if you were playing the newlywed game, and I forget who the host was, Chuck Woolery or, or whatever, um, <laughs> he would say, we were, they would stop the cameras and go, we're not accepting that. You actually have to write something because this show has to be interesting. And this yeah. question's supposed to be funny. Yeah, exactly. It's supposed like, to get a it, funny reaction. Jeff, who probably was going to play in the spirit of the game, once he sees the reaction, throws Larry immediately under the bus and goes, I was going to pick Susie. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Because Jeff was definitely gonna pick Cheryl. We've seen Jeff. Uh, <laughs> we, we, we've seen Jeff sh- staring down Cheryl before. Yeah, definitely. That would have been hilarious. Yeah, but no, he does not. Luckily, he has not written anything. It was all uh, gonna be his spoken answer, and he throws Larry under the bus. But we agree, Larry is right in this situation, and it shouldn't know, be. I want to know yeah. what Susie wrote, though. Yeah, she probably wrote he wouldn't do it or something. <laughs> I'm guessing she played the same cop-out card that, that Marty's wife did. And and also, like, not a lot of weight is supposed to be put... It's not These aren't supposed to be, like, relationship... It's not therapy. You know, these aren't, like, actual real questions. It's like, yeah, these they're, aren't, these supposed aren't supposed to be supposed fun. To be, these aren't supposed to be relationship-defining questions. Yeah, nothing's supposed to leave the game after the game is over. And, and I believe Larry. Like, yes, Cha-Cha is hot, but I don't actually think he wants to cheat on his wife with her. I think the question was... Who of your friends has the hottest girlfriend? It's Cha Cha right now, and and you're not. And what what happens in the game is not supposed to leave the game, but it does. And I think that's against everyone. Was everyone it's was not playing the, the game of right? The game. Yeah, Larry's the only person playing the game right. So back at home, Larry has been kicked out of the bedroom by Cheryl for the Cha Cha answer, and he told he tells her he'll do anything. What can I do to make it up to you? I'll do anything. And she opens the door and says, "Anything?" He says, "Well, I mean, except adopt." The hurricane family. Yeah, Yeah, I forgot he called them the hurricane family. But cut to them driving to the airport to pick up their hurricane family. But Larry has to make a quick stop because they were spending all night at Funkhauser's house. They missed Ted Danson's party. So now he has to pull the same scam that he pulled on Funkhauser with Ted Danson. So Ted's (laughs) not upset. And so they show up. And Ted was. He did say, he was like, you know what? This is so funny because I was kind of pissed off. But you had the wrong night. So I'll tell you what. Come on in. And it's so funny. This is played like a mirror image of the Funkhauser situation because he says all the exact same stuff. He's like, he's like, we got lots of leftovers. We can break into the leftover food and we can have some fun. And he even says, you had no plans for tonight. You were supposed to be here. You're here. Come inside. And also, did you notice that Ted is dressed exactly the same as Funkhauser was? No, I didn't notice that. Yeah, they both were wearing like a light blue denim shirt with jeans. Oh, my God. Yeah. I thought that was a hilarious little, again, <laughs> mirror image of the Funkhauser situation, that they're dressed exactly the same. But as they walk into Ted Danson's place, Cheryl is glaring at Larry. And uh, in the living room, in Ted's living room, he and, and Mary Steenburgen and, and Larry and Cheryl are having some small talk about his oral cyst. So it's a great <laughs> party. Great uh, riveting <laughs> 
conversation there. I, I did like how different his uh, impromptu party was from from Marty Funkhauser's impromptu <laughs> party. Yeah, Marty at least was trying to entertain, but yeah, but... Ted and Mary are just sitting there and. Uh, uh yeah, this is this is nice. So this what's new nice. with you guys? <laughs> yeah, just uh, just weird casual conversation. Larry tries escaping by saying he left the car running, but Ted says that no, the key goes beep 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 if you take it with you and the car is running. <laughs> and Larry makes a $500 side bet that it doesn't, except the plan doesn't work because Ted won't let Cheryl leave. <laughs> he is now holding hostages like Funkhauser was. Not physically, but Larry's like, "Oh, I'll go out right now. Check it out." And Ted's like, "Cheryl stays here." Because definitely Larry would have just got the car and left, I guess was the plan, which would have been hilarious. You know, now there's no point in going outside and, and figuring it out because Cheryl can't go with him. So there's a knock at the door and it's Richard Lewis and Cha-Cha pulling the exact same scam that Larry was <laughs> about missing Ted's party and thinking it's tonight. And of course, Ted invites them in. Larry gets upset again that Richard Lewis is stealing his bit. But Richard Lewis is upset that he heard Larry wants to have sex with Cha-Cha. Which... Who told Richard Lewis? Uh, is it here or is it, uh, skipping ahead a little bit, is it at Larry's party where Richard Lewis says, I got 35 calls? I think it was here. I think it was right here. Yeah. Where the, 30 there, were, people... there were not 35 people at Marty's party. There was five others it must outside have been, of Larry. Must have been Jeff. I think Jeff told Richard Lewis. 35 times? <laughs> well, that... <laughs> Jeff must have told 34 other people <laughs> and then called. I mean, that's that's something I guess Jeff <laughs> spread around. It must have been what he – I'm blaming Jeff. Or it, Susie. It could be. It could Susie be. might have done it. Oh, Susie's definitely yeah. the person. Yeah. I mean, she probably has a lot of friends that run in the same circles. As, so, yeah, Susie told a girlfriend who told two people who told two people. And then yeah. it ended up being 35 calls to Richard Lewis. 35 calls to Richard and, Lewis. That... And every, every single person wanted yeah. to tell him. <laughs> yeah. And again, it's it like, oh, you want to have sex with my girlfriend? Like, no. Like, I mean, yes, but that's not what you should have, you know. I mean, that's... yes, but like not actively. It's just yeah. kind of like, it's just kind of a passive thing. It was just a game. I, it required an answer that wasn't a cop-out answer. But Larry uses the argument to leave like, oh, I can't be in the same house with them. We're out of here. Uh, but Elisa gets him out of the house, and Richard Lewis and Cha-Cha must remain. Did you recognize Cha-Cha, by the way? No, I didn't. It is Tia Carrere, who I know from the Wayne's World movies. Oh, no way. Yeah. So now Wayne's World's on the docket. I Ooh, love that one. Oh, yes. Yeah. All right. <laughs> I know. I'm sure, I'm sure there's enough crossover between SNL and Curb and Seinfeld that we could have done it earlier, but... Uh, now it's definitely now we have a lead, which is always better than a random background character or somebody who gets cut out. Getty Watanabe from Forgetting <laughs> Sarah Marshall. <laughs> so Larry and Cheryl, now they're out of Ted's and they're driving to the airport, which has been deserted, except for the Hurricane family that's sitting there in baggage claim. And we meet Loretta Black. So their last name is Black and her aunt and her kids. And of course, I got to point out right here, Loretta Black, the great Vivica A. Fox. Oh, I didn't, I didn't even recognize her. Oh my god! Yeah. So now Independence Day is on the table too. <laughs> oh, we Jesus. should definitely do that. Let's do that in July. Let's do Independence Day. Okay, we'll drop it great. on. We'll drop yeah. it on July fourth. We'll drop it the day before, so people can listen to it while they're grilling on July fourth. Yes. Yeah. I think it actually starts on. I think it's July second when the movie opens. It's not that we have to drop it on the the day the movie. <laughs> 
in, in movie time starts, but I, I just seem to remember that. But yeah, we have to do a July 4th weekend whenever it makes sense. Uh, I'm Let's down. See, when, when is 4th of July this weekend? Oh, 4th of July is on a Tuesday. <laughs> that sucks. Yeah, we can drop it on uh, uh, Saturday, July 1st, maybe. Ooh, my birthday. We'll drop it on your birthday, so we'll record it the day or the, the week before. Sweet. Uh, that'll be perfect, because we'll be well into, you know, season six. Maybe we'll, will we be done by then? <laughs> I, I, oh, we'll def- Tim, it's March. That's July. Yeah. That's four months away. We'll be, like, almost done with Curb by then. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> so that'll be perfect. We'll, we'll, you know, we'll be ingrained into Loretta Black's character in this, uh, uh, or the character of Loretta Black, played by Vivica A. Fox by that time. Uh, Larry, though, and you alluded to this earlier, immediately points out that their last name, Black, is descriptive. They're the Blacks, and it'd be like if his last name was Jew, Larry Jew, <laughs> and nobody seems to want to talk about this, and it's those uh, you know, elements of conversation that Larry demands to dig into, because yes. he takes their uninterest in the discussion as not understanding it, so he has he to explain it. it further, <laughs> yeah. But yeah, it's just no one wants to talk about it. But he's like, no, no, it'd be like Larry Jew. Like if my last name, like say your last name is Gentile. Like he even digs in that way. <laughs> like, no, we get it. <laughs> We're familiar with microaggressions. <laughs> um, so back at home, I guess this is Larry's new house for season six, right? See, is it is it a new house? Because it does look similar to the one in season five yeah i i can't even tell anymore because the I, I outside is, is not the same, same one yeah the the outside's not the same but i think the inside the set the is same. the same as what we had in season five so maybe they all the home renovations they were doing while they were renting was to make it look like the rental <laughs> yeah i guess so well we really like the layout of this house we're just gonna gut <laughs> our old house and make it look like this one <laughs> Uh, so Loretta, I mean, everyone's super impressed, obviously, with a billionaire's house. Why wouldn't you be? Uh, you know, you go from living wherever Hurricane Edna hit to, you know, Malibu or wherever uh, Larry happens to live. And as they're looking around the house, Loretta lights up a cigarette immediately. Yeah. Inside the house. And Cheryl doesn't care. I found that odd. See, I I think she does kind of care, but she's also, like, masking it because she is just you know in helping mode yeah this family's been through enough like we don't need to talk about this right now yeah l- l- this this can be something that we address later on you know yeah although this i found weird that cheryl's like "Ooh, let's have a party so everybody can meet the blacks that felt a little exploitative to me like little cheryl bit. like little cheryl bit. wants everybody to know what a good person she's being and like show off her hurricane family i thought that was very that was very disconcerting <laughs> and and sort of out of character for like you were saying earlier the normally morally grounded cheryl like this would be something that larry like all right well i'm i'm doing this good thing what can i get out of it oh i know i'll have a party so my friends know what a good person i am this is more of a larry thing i wonder if this is almost a thing that they decided to do in like starting with season six of curb they wanted cheryl to also be a little more morally uh, am, ambi, ambi, ambiguous, ambi, ambiguous, ambiguous, yeah. ambiguous, morally ambiguous. 
Yeah, I guess so. I mean, because she is doing this great thing, but then also wanting to show it off is just makes it feel icky, you know? Yeah, just um, kind of just kind of giving her character a, a little more depth instead yeah. of just being... I, I wouldn't call her two-dimensional in the first five seasons, but... No. Yeah, but definitely more like she has... You know what her character is going to do in any situation, which I think is, you know, a, a well-written character. It's like there's a... There's a show Bible that says, in, in this situation, Cheryl will do this. Cheryl would not do that. You know, that's just not who Cheryl is. Like, I think a lot of sitcoms deal with characters that way. Like, well, now it's too far out of character. We can't, you mm-hmm. know, she wouldn't do that. And I, I guess they are, you know, I, I, but maybe we're reading too much into it. I mean, maybe no one else would think that. But just like, you know, she wants to, she wants to you know, ingrain them in the way that they live and, and meet some people because they're in a, a place that they don't recognize with no friends. So here's a bunch of friends or whatever. Maybe her heart was in a good place. It just feels, it just, you know, there's no, there's no good way to play it, I guess. Larry and Cheryl go to the 26th Street Bakery because at their party, they want the same cake that Marty had at his party because that cake they were eating around that table yeah. was delicious. Yeah, both uh, both couples, Larry and Cheryl and Jeff and Susie were remarking, this is, this is the best cake I've ever had. Yeah, and by the way, the 26th Street Bakery, fake. It's a fakery. Oh, damn. Yeah. It's a fakery? It's a fakery. Can't uh, believe that. <laughs> the bakery's a fakery. Uh, but there is a 27th Street Bakery <laughs> in South Central Los Angeles. So not a place I don't, I don't think Larry would spend much time in, but there, you know, there, it is there. And, but everyone was raving about this cake. Jeff said it was the best cake he'd ever had, and he knows cake. Yeah, yeah and, and Jeff called it a, a black log cake. Yeah, and so the baker pulls out. He's like, oh, I, I have one right here. Yeah, Marty Funkhauser. He's in here all the time. This is the one that he gets, and it's a huge black cock. <laughs> <laughs> it, it wasn't even until he pulled this cake out that I noticed the huge upstanding dick cake on the wall. And I'm like, what? Oh, my God. It's an erotic bakery. Yes, I, and I loved when just Larry's deadpan, that's a penis. <laughs> <laughs> like that's all I can say. That, that's a penis. That's yeah. a penis. <laughs> yes, it is. This is an erotic bakery. Uh, yeah. <laughs> I, I love the, the looking at the, the bakery case, too. Oh, yeah, yeah, because there's just, like, tit cakes and, like, yeah, like a woman's body, a woman's naked body with a little bush. and <laughs> Yeah. And Larry is like, I ate that. <laughs> that was another hilarious line. I ate that. He he knowingly served us penis. <laughs> <laughs> He's saying this like it's actual human penis. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> and not like it and not like uh what would it be? Uh 48 out uh thir- 36 hours prior. He no, cuz it was a uh, Funkhauser. So, okay, m- more than 2 days, less than 3 days. Yeah. Uh not uh, that amount of time prior, he was eating the most delicious cake he's ever had. <laughs> it just happened to, at one point, be shaped like a penis. <laughs> uh, just, I mean, yeah, just hilarious. Yeah, and the huge wang cake over Cheryl's shoulder. That, <laughs> uh, and so they, they do not get the cake because they can't serve it at their party like that. But I got to tell you, I mean, I... I cracked up at this scene. I mean, as you could hear, it was just such a funny reveal and all the lines. It was just played so funny. And I love how normal the baker is. Like, yeah, we're an erotic bakery. Um, and just how repulsed Larry is. Like, and- it, yeah, like, w- would you expect, would the normal person expect an erotic bakery to be <laughs> a bunch of pervs? No, they're just... They're just yeah. bakers, you know? They, yeah, they just happen to make this kind of art, they, you know? They, they just happen to bake cakes in the shape of 
of breasts and dicks. As, as much as I was cracking up at the humor of this scene, made me feel bad about, I don't know, shitting on, for lack of a better term, the sex humor in Forgetting Sarah Marshall, which we just watched, which I didn't find funny <laughs> at all. And now here I am laughing at like Steve Harvey level humor. That's in a penis. Curb. <laughs> Let's see penis. Um, <laughs> I was like, I'm no better than I don't. I guess I sh- shouldn't have been on my again. I don't know what you'd call it, high horse about the humor in Forgetting Sarah Marshall because I'm laughing at something. Maybe Sarah Marshall went over my head. Maybe that's why I didn't find it funny. <laughs> this is right at my maturity level. <laughs> that's a penis. <laughs> Forgetting Sarah Marshall was just a little too high concept too, for you, yeah, Tim. Too highbrow. Yeah, too high concept. <laughs> The, you know, uh, Russell Brand fucking a giant chess piece was just, I, I just didn't get it, you know? I knew there was something funny about it, but it, it was, went over my a, head. It was a deeper metaphor yes. for, uh, for racism. <laughs> yeah, because the black and white, yeah. So at the party, Larry wonders why. He asked, Larry, he asked Funkhauser, why didn't he tell him that he was eating a black penis? <laughs> I, I, and, I loved Marty's response, too, because he says... Because, you know, saying this is black penis is not appetizing to everybody. And that implies that it is appetizing to Funkhauser, which I found interesting. Mm. <laughs> I know. <laughs> That's not appetizing to everybody. Like, I'm not kink-shaming Funkhauser, but it seems like something's going on there. Then you know? again, then again, I mean, I, I kind of get the feeling that to know that he loves this cake... A very similar thing happened to Marty Funkhauser in the past where he had cake from the 26th Street Bakery from somebody yeah. uh, unknow- like uh, or served to him unknowing that it was a penis at one point. And then he went and got it and he was like, oh my god, this is the best cake I've ever had <laughs> is shaped like a dick? This is incredible. This, yeah, is, my, I- this is my secret, but how am I possibly going to serve this to other people? <laughs> yeah, and I guess you know you just you just cut it up and serve it not in not whole not in front of people yeah nobody wants to take the whole thing nobody takes the balls and nobody <laughs> takes the head i guess i loved that well i think you could cut those up yeah i guess you're right maybe but you i love cut them up in smaller pieces in smaller I, slices i love the line where larry's so upset he's like if you're so upset why'd you take the balls home <laughs> <laughs> that was perfect oh my god <laughs> Yeah, just hilarious. But also, I mean, <laughs> do you think the shape the shape must have something to do with how good it tastes? Because I bet at least once, if, if Funkhauser doesn't like this, he went in and was like, look, can you make that cake but not make it look like a dick? Like, you know, I'll, I'll pay the pr- I'll pay dick price. Just don't make it look like a dick. And then it wasn't as good. Oh, maybe. Maybe. I like how we're crafting this whole lore around yeah. Marty discovering this cake <laughs> and how much he loves it. I'm willing to bet that at least once he went in and the erotic bakery was like, sure, we'll do that. And he was like, it's just not, you don't get the distribution the, of yeah. frosting and cake that you get when it's shaped like a dick. Just the roundness of the pan, yeah. uh, the, the, the extra frosting <laughs> as the pubes. <laughs> it just has to look like that to taste that good. <laughs> uh, but Larry runs upstairs because he sees Richard Lewis and Cha-Cha. So he goes up and apologizes. And Richard's like, look, I'm here. Aren't I? Like, obviously, it's not a big deal. Don't worry about it. And then Jeff shows up with what he says is the best cake he's ever had. And Larry all of a sudden realizes what that means, except he's upstairs and Jeff is still downstairs. And he rushes down to stop him. But <laughs> it was too late, as we find out. <laughs> and I love I loved just the shot of this next scene of just Larry diving into the balls, eating yeah. eating the the black penis cake all by himself. 
as yeah, as Loretta comes downstairs smoking. Yeah, and he tells her that he didn't know uh, that Jeff didn't know because he went and got the cake was already boxed up and he didn't even open it. He <laughs> it, just he called in the order. They <laughs> yeah, had it ready for him, <laughs> but like he didn't see anything in the bakery case. He didn't yeah. see anything on the walls in the displays. <laughs> Right, maybe you just go. Ooh, this, that's weird. Uh, <laughs> oh, th- thank God, mine's not like that. Yeah, I'm not gonna check. Yeah, you got to be a little oblivious. Uh, maybe it was like early. You know, maybe he couldn't find a spot, and they ran it out to him. That's my, oh, uh, that's, maybe. you know, like curbside pickup. <laughs> like, look, I'm, I just, I'm gonna, double, I'm double parked. Can you just run out here and put it in my car? And you, I've already paid, you know, or whatever. And Keisha is uh, one of Loretta's kids. Is scarred. <laughs> she finally got to sleep. Because he's like, how's uh, how's Keisha? It's like, well, she's finally asleep. So she's obviously, obviously scarred for life after seeing it. And Larry asks her, because she has lit up another cigarette, he asks her not to smoke inside, to which Loretta puts her cigarette out on Larry's cake. Um, All of this while Larry has cake in his mouth, and he's talking uh, while eating. Yeah, just jammed full. And like <laughs> on the roof of his mouth, too, it's like, it's really weird uh, way to hold food in your mouth. While you're talking, but she asks him how the cake is, and he says, "Pretty, pretty good, pretty good." But because his piece now has a cigarette butt in it, he tosses it into the trash can. This line I cracked up at too. He goes into the bedroom, and Cheryl's in bed. She goes, "Where have you been? Eating some penis." <laughs> this is something I would do 100. percent I mean, Eating hey, you, you know, like uh, I've never had erotic cake. Actually, if uh, if erotic cake does end up being like the best cake I've ever eaten. I would I would exclusively buy erotic cake. Have you ever seen now I have to bring it up, the other erotic cake um media that I love is the Patrick Stewart episode of SNL where he runs an erotic bakery. Have you ever no. seen it? Uh, I don't even want to ruin because like all I'll SNLs there's, after this. Yeah. Like all SNLs, there's one line that the whole thing turns on that makes it funny for the rest of the sketch, and I don't want to ruin it for you because you you have to watch it. It's absolutely hilarious. All it's right. one of my well, favorites. Well, here, while we're on the subject of erotic cakes, Tim, I want you to look up on Instagram the account yeah. Baking Thursdays. Baking Thursdays. Yeah. She all does right. like jacked fictional uh... characters, like jacked <laughs> Duolingo Owl. Yeah. There's uh there's Jack Shrek. There's a, a pregnant Julian from Madagascar. <laughs> and I can tell they're all penis molds. I, I mean, are they? Are they well, penis the, molds? The leprechaun's a penis mold. The mushrooms are a oh, penis de- mold. Oh, definitely. Oh, definitely. And it's I penis think, mold. And the jacked people must just be like, well, I don't know. It looks like she has, she makes the cake and the, then. There's the guy from uh, from Liquid Death, the, the jacked uh, executioner huh. from Liquid Death. Well, you know what? It's not a penis mold. She like, it, she. She oh, makes a not, round cake and death. cuts it's, it into a penis. Yeah, it's Mando. Right, right, yeah. So she she makes a round cake and then she cuts it into the shape of a penis. <laughs> but there's also uh, one of the best ones I've seen is uh, Shrek and the Lorax kissing. Uh, I can't find on to see that one. Yeah, but she's pretty talented. There's also Weird. Jacked Kermit, Jacked Shrek, Twerking Shrek. She's able to do twerking cakes. Jacked King Julian from Madagascar. Um <laughs> Mort oh, from Madagascar here, presenting oh, his Here his we go. Ass. Jacked Barry B. Benson with a pierced yes. nipple. <laughs> Love it. Yeah, twerking Shrek. I see that now. This is uh, this is weird. This is very weird. <laughs> There's Barry B. Benson. Yeah, but it's weird. She like makes the shape of a penis. I mean, the ones that are shaped like a penis, she cuts into the shape of a penis. Yeah. And then makes yeah. them look like I'm... something else. I'm like, you know, you don't have to do that. If you make a round cake, you can cut it into any shape you want. <laughs> 
She wants penis shape. She I wants guess. penis shapes. Yeah. Why yeah. not? Oh, so, a jacked Furby. Nice. And of course, I mean, she makes her boyfriend or husband, whoever it is, dress as jacked Mr. Incredible from The Incredibles. <laughs> he can't get the regular Incredibles costume. He has to get the one with the foam muscles in it. Of course. Of course. Something's going on here. <laughs> yeah. Weird. How did you stumble across her? TikTok. Ah, got it, got it. Yes, of course. So back to Larry eating the penis, and then the next day, right? Yes. Well, I think this is tonight. You know, we we cut back down to the kitchen where the trash can has started burning right under the broken smoke alarm, where the smoke alarm has been removed. And so the next morning, the house has been destroyed. Their brand new, freshly refurbished, remodeled house. Yeah. (laughs) Maybe. The fire department's there pulling stuff i mean the house is just like bombed out i mean every <laughs> it looked like flames were kissing every window i mean it's amazing yeah. anybody got out al- alive and in, in how bad it looks the house is just destroyed ted danson shows up because he thinks the party is tonight or was he pulling the same scam I, that he's got to be pulling the same scam <laughs> because he shows up in the morning yeah that was weird to me i'm like the bit the the thing doesn't work unless this party started and maybe it but yeah, no, it's got to be morning. I'm like, how late in the day could it be where they're still clearing out the house? Not that late, right? I mean, it, it must be like sunrise. Yeah. You know? yeah. Oh, this has got to be very early. Yeah, because I'm sure like everybody was upstairs sleeping. The bottom floor was engulfed in flames before any smoke alarm actually went off, maybe. And so they've just been working through the night to clear the house out. And they've just, I don't know, I've been standing there for hours and hours. But but yeah, Ted is showing up before 7 a.m. To, to, for this party <laughs> with a bottle of wine. Uh, and that's when Frolic starts playing, though. All right. Tim, what do we got for homework this week? I didn't write anything down. Really? So, okay, yeah. perfect. With, with no book and no homework, we might not have anything. Oh, man. All right. <laughs> Nothing to talk well, what about. You, what do you like for cover art this week? Hmm. Gosh, I mean... Can we put a big black cock in our cover art? <laughs> I um, I, th- I would say no. <laughs> I don't know if we can. <laughs> yeah, I would. I would lean towards no. On that. <laughs> um, but what else is there? Um, I mean, maybe everybody sitting around the table eating what we know later to be the penis, penis cake. cake. Yeah, um, <laughs> or something with you know. I'm. I gotta admit because I, I I jumped the gun. We did not meet JB Smoove this episode. Uh, I believe we'll meet him the next episode, but I really thought he popped up in, in this first episode, so that was a shame. But we could you could always include something with Larry and Cheryl meeting the blacks at the airport. I'm sure there's a good uh, shot there or something. Oh, when, when, when Larry is describing uh, what their last name is like? Yes, yeah, like they, <laughs> yeah, explaining to them <laughs> that their last name is uh, also a descriptor. Yeah, I, uh, I can find something. Yeah, I'll, I'll make one of those work. All right. All right, Tim, let's take a look at this week's description. So we had... In the season six premiere, Cheryl talks Larry into adopting the Blacks, a family displaced by a hurricane. Uh, let me see. I feel like we can. I I like it, but like, yeah. let's, uh, let's definitely uh, capitalize that T in the. <laughs> yeah, meet the Blacks. Like meet the Murphys would be capitalized. I w- I, I'm sure we could do something like at a... I know I say it every week, but this is not my final answer, but this is the direction I'm going. Like, at a party he was forced into, Larry offends Cheryl and takes in house guests to make it up to her. Something like that, you know, something all-encompassing like that, but shorter, obviously. Can you take Mm -hmm. a scalpel to that at all or a a hatchet? About uh, offending... 
After offending Cheryl at a see, I, like forced party doesn't make much sense. After after offending Cheryl at a party. Yeah, but I wish we could come up with you know a way to indicate that that Larry was forced into you know this party. Eh, I don't think you need to because then it's just kind of because uh, then it it spoils it. You yeah, know, because we start the episode talking about parties. After offending Cheryl at a party, Larry takes in house guests to make it up to her or something like that. I know it's still too long, but I, the parties to me are the are kind of the meat of this episode, and and the blacks are a the beginning of the story, the season long story arc. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I I um okay. So what do we got? You, After offending said... Cheryl at a party, oh well, okay, I got it. After offending Cheryl at a party. She forces Larry to take in house guests. How about that? How about uh, Larry agrees to take in a displaced family? After offending Cheryl at a party, Larry agrees to take in a displaced family. I like it. Yeah, because, I like because, it. Because the other way, we're almost starting like talking about Larry and then go back to talking about Cheryl. After offending Cheryl at a party, Larry agrees to take in a displaced family. I like it. There I like go. it. Yeah. There we go. All right, Tim, did you like this episode? I gave it a star. I thought it was hilarious. I got a lot of great laughs. It sets up, up the season-long story arc very well. And it also, uh, what's the word I'm looking for? It it rolls over on itself several times, and it's very uh, circular. And I always like that about my Curb episodes when, again, something in the first scene and the, la- the first scene and the last scene are connected, uh, and you have no idea that's going to happen. <laughs> and then everybody ripping off Larry's bit about thinking, the you know, Four different people, if you count Larry, pull the same scam of thinking the party is the next night. Yeah, Larry, Jeff, Richard, and Ted, right? <laughs> yeah, which is hilarious to me that everyone keeps trying this this bit, even though it never goes right. Um, I guess <laughs> until Ted does it in the morning. Uh, and Yeah, he's the know, one who ruins it for everybody. Yeah, there wasn't going to be a party anyway, because uh, yeah, now that their house is burned down. But yeah, I like that bit, and so I, I got to give this a full star. This is our second... I gave last season's premiere a star, and I'm giving this one a star because I thought it was wow. very funny. Yeah. All right. Uh, well, Tim, I am in the same boat as you. I gave this a full hey! star. Yeah, I, I thought this episode was so fun. I thought it was really funny. And I am hoping that season six is better than season five. I, I don't think there's any chance it can't be. I mean, especially as J.B. Smoove joins the cast. That's what worries me. Then I'm going to have too many stars this season. <laughs> oh my god! All right. Well, do you, do you think that might happen? You think the you think getting towards the end of uh, season six, we're going to have a very tough decision on our top three? You know what? I'm I'm just going to manifest it and say, yeah, I think we're going to have a, a pretty great season. Maybe right. the best one yet. Yeah, I, like I don't know. I'm, I like, I'm not even I gonna... like the manifestation. I'm not even going to put it all on JB Smoove. I don't want to play him up too much. Maybe he doesn't really come into his own until, you know, season 7 or 8, but I know he's <laughs> he's a force of nature who spins into the show in a in a good way. So. Well, let me let me ask you. Do you think uh, cuz we haven't added anything to this tally in a while with adding JB Smoove to the cast, uh, do we get Larry David's N-word tally up a little bit this season? <laughs> yeah, maybe. I'm sh- I'm sure that there's going to be a little bit of the same conversations he had with Crazy Eyes Killa about being able to use that word. <laughs> I-, I forget what we're at now. I think we're at four, right? <laughs> I don't remember. We're Dang at three it. or four throughout the season, but we haven't added anything in like at least two full seasons. Yeah, it's been a while. It's been a while, <laughs> thankfully, but we might get there. 
<laughs> oh my god all right next week tim we have got season six episode two the anonymous donor original air date september 16th 2007 and if you are looking in tv guide that night you are going to see the davids and the blacks move into a new house and take in a guest semicolon larry alters a dry cleaning rule First of all, awesome. We got so much space to play with. If we want to mess with that synopsis, which I like, it's super long, but maybe we don't need to change it at all because of that. Yeah, I think this is the first semicolon we've had since Seinfeld. Yeah, I was going to say, I mean, they (laughs) they shoehorned in another plot like I would normally do, and I wouldn't even stoop to using a semicolon. Yeah, I know normally you'll say, this sounds like one that we wrote. No, this this one definitely does. Semicolon and everything. I don't know. Well, maybe we have used a semicolon before, but I feel like even we don't stoop to the like, no, we know we can't use a semicolon. I mean, I think we do two sentences before we do a semicolon, but maybe we have. So, all right. Uh, that that guest, I think, is JB Smoove. But again, we'll we'll find out. And so is that it? Yeah, I think that is it. All right. For No Hugging, No Learning, I'm Tim Murphy. I'm Ted Hollowell. Be good. Be good.